0: Welcome back to the Free Kit Martin Podcast. Happy New Year. Oh, my. There's a bug somewhere, um, you know, running around and getting up your nose and causing sickness in families. That's what happened over the holiday at my house. We're on the other side of it. How about you, Stacey? Oh,
1: I'm uh, feeling it a little bit right now. Uh, it just hit me this morning, So, Did? but I'll be okay.
0: Oh, God bless you, man. It is, you know, once you're on the other side of it, though, it just starts to feel so good because you're in a new year. And believe me, there's some goodness happening to you here in the next couple of days. You will. You'll be on the other side of it. I wanted to talk today about, let's just go back to the beginning, because one of the things that I have found online recently is um, that bond hearing. And they did a lot of zooming in on you, by the way, on that. I call you, your whole road there, the frontline players. Who was sitting there with you?
1: Um, one of the per- the person sitting to my right was Adam Brazil, and he is a gentleman that I know here in Tennessee that was wrongfully convicted for, he spent 12 years in prison for a murder he did not commit. It was a case of misidentification. Uh, And so I asked him, I had just, I had just uh, not even met him yet and called him and asked him for his help, for some guidance. And he said, well, I don't really know you and I really don't know Kit, but I'll go with you to this. I, I need to judge for myself. So he went that day with us. And when we were finished with that bond hearing, he said, Stacy, this is a dog and po- pony show. That man's innocent. And I said, yes, Adam, he is. So that was Adam.
0: And wow. then Donna,
1: Donna, uh, my friend, Donna, Tony, who is um, the registrar dates here in Manchester. She's been my best friend for years. She was there with me. And then Joe Marches, which is a, a lifelong friend of both Chris and Mon.
0: Okay, so those are the frontline players. Some of the other family members, like Amanda, who you saw on the stand, who is Chris's sister, um, and, you know, some of the other family members were sitting back. Uh, and then they were also going over to, you know, the victims' families. And, you know, especially Ed Donzaro's girlfriend, I think her name is Sally. She was just a beauty. And it, I did feel I had some, you know— it struck me that Ed Donzaro, in this story, what a sad story, right? He was a neighbor and doing neighborly things. They were able to figure out that he had grabbed his uh, weapon and ran to the help of what may have been Pam Phillips, uh, who also passed away in this horrible tragedy. And then the then the charade began. And when I say charade, this case for Kit Martin— I don't know how into this you have been, but um, man, there is zero evidence, Stacey, zero evidence. I mean, displayed on every single day of that trial. But didn't you feel like there was some sort of game of dirty poker kind of going on in the background?
1: There was one piece of hard evidence, evidence, one piece, and it wasn't against Chris. Joan Harmon had Pam Phillips, one of the victims, phone and that is an undisputed fact. That was she took it actually to an AT and store a month after the murders, and tried to get them to open the phone. And when they went to look at the phone, they realized it was the Pam Phillips phone, and they had to call the police. And Joan got gathered her kids very quickly and scurried out of the AT and store. We saw that. On a clip, a film clip, yeah, you know, in the child.
2: Ms. Harmon's fixing to come up on screen here in a few seconds in your top right-hand corner through the glass windows, along with her three children entering the door now. There they are, right there, speaking with uh, one of the associates at the AT and T store. Could you point that
1: out again, Ms. Harmon?
2: Ms. Armin's, the one in the pink jacket right here walking behind the associate and her three children following. There's a counter that's right here that they just walked up to. The gentleman then takes the associate, takes the phone in a different camera angle, takes the phone, takes it around into the back of the office into the office area where the manager determines who the phone belongs to through the registration of the IMEI number. About a minute and 20 seconds or so. Then she'll speak speak with the associates briefly, and then she'll she'll come over to here, call for her kids, and then they'll leave.
1: So I had a real problem with the fact that She left the store, and then they didn't even question her, to my knowledge. They just drove by her house. She should have been arrested, or at least brought in for questioning.
0: And apparently, you know, when Noisworthy was on the stand, uh, Detective Noisworthy of the Christian County Sheriff's Office, when he was on the stand, he said that that phone had been, her phone had been scrutinized, that, 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 yeah, that, that was all just part of that. That's how he testified. That was all just part of that, like, that report. That was just part of that. And they they kept kind of sweeping anything about Joan underneath the rug, like, sort of, here's another example. Um, You know, they would ask him during the trial, did you, you know, get a hold of Joan after this? I mean, what? Well, she called me while I was in there. What? She called you. And then, what did you do? Oh, well, I left and, you know, did a drive-by of her house over there Also, he got a call from William Stokes.
3: You learned that uh, the AT&T store on Fort Campbell Boulevard in Hopkinsville had come into possession of Pam Phillips' cell phone. Is that right? That's correct, sir. Uh, did you get a call from an AT&T employee? No, sir. good dispatch? Yes, sir. Okay, and did you respond to the AT&T store? I did, sir. Okay. And I believe your report indicates you watched video of uh, the, the store itself had surveillance video. I did, sir. And you watched that video and it was clear that Joan Harmon was the person who brought this phone in. It appeared that way. Yes, sir. Okay. Your report says when I viewed it, meaning the surveillance video, it was apparent that the person was Joan Martin. So is that right? Yes, sir. And when you retrieved the phone from the AT&T store, it had already been wiped or restored to factory settings. Is that Correct, right, sir? Mm-hmm. In fact, while you were still in the store, you got a call from Joan Harmon, didn't you? Um, I believe that's correct. She was trying to tell you the story about okay. how she came.
2: Sustain. Judge, can we approach? No. Sustain.
3: You also got a call from William Stokes while you were still at the store, right? Or soon after? According to my supplement, yes, sir. You retrieved or you took the phone into custody? I did, sir. And um, has that been sent on to Electronic Crimes or or, uh, wherever you sent the other phone? It was part of all that, yes, sir. Okay.
1: Actually, I did read later. William Stokes had tried to call him and he missed the call and he tried to call him back and they never made contact. That's what finally came out about that. I, yeah. I didn't realize that until I read it somewhere later. So we don't know what Williams, why William Stokes was calling him. The we You were talking about the evidence or lack thereof. The only thing that was turned in as evidence against Chris, which wasn't evidence, was the family of Cal and Pam Phillips turned in some discs that were from a prior court-martial that are questionable whether they even belonged to Kit Martin. Someone was helping clean up and found like a spent 22 Mm -hmm. casing, which never was matched to anything. Uh, There was a 45 casing that was Found on the porch, I believe, five months after the murders. After we have learned from our tip line that 32 people from the Christian County Sheriff's Department, and you know, and also combined, I think, with the state police, but there were 32 people at Count and Pam's house investigating, and they supposedly missed this 45 caliber shell casing. Which by the way, when it was found, quote unquote found five months after the murders, was still bright and shiny brass and wasn't corroded, wasn't didn't appear to be fire. I mean, there was nothing wrong with you know, the casing could not have set out in the weather that long, in my opinion.
0: Right. And, and in the opinion of Court TV, let's take a listen to what uh, Julie had to say when she interviewed you a couple of months ago.
4: Tell you what has bothered me, Stacey, about the trial, uh, because as you know, at Court TV, we don't have a horse in the race. Uh, so we call, I like to say I call balls and strikes when I sit and give uh, kind of like the color commentary and the play-by-play commentary, just like in a ball game with the trials. And we explain things that are happening that pertain to evidentiary matters. Uh, We assess witnesses, their credibility, believability. The brass was what I couldn't get past. So to take everybody back, the facts were that investigators processed that porch and found nothing. Several detectives all over the porch found not a single thing. Uh, your husband's a military man. I would imagine that he probably does a lot of shooting in his backyard. If I remember correctly, there was a lot of testimony, you know. And, and if you just leave your brass laying out there, it's going to get, you know, uh, uh, worn and tarnished, all that. So if that's spent cartridge casing was on that porch for all that time in the weather, it would get tarnished. This was a shiny new spent casing that was uncovered you know, by somebody connected to one of the victims and correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't it placed in the hands of somebody who serves in government? Um, I can speak to what you first said and I'm not a ballistics person, I'm not an
1: attorney, so I, I don't want to speak out of turn, uh, but yes, to answer one question, Kit. Uh, often shot behind his house and also there was a range behind the victim's house which they had fired weapons before as you mentioned it was shiny and if the story was the way that they told it the shell casing had been out for what five months right and like you said it was shiny um and I think there's some other things that will come out from that. But, again, I can't address that at this at this moment. Sure. I can tell you that maybe what you don't know is that an American hero who fought 30 years for your freedom, my freedom, all these people's freedom, is sitting behind bars, and, and he's an innocent man. They knew, absolutely knew, that they didn't have a case, had nothing on him because there was nothing to have. They offered him five to 13 year plea bargain. And because of his integrity, he said, no, I didn't do this. I'm innocent. And he is innocent.
4: Wow. That's interesting to note that they offered him a plea agreement that he rejected because at that time and still he's consistently maintained his innocence.
1: So yesterday I did have the pleasure to visit with Kit. And uh, I just want to just come right out here and say That when I got to the prison, to my surprise, there was some ammunition in my glove compartment that I had never seen in my life.
0: Some what?
1: Ammunition.
0: Ammunition. Uh, You had bullets in your... It was
1: a box of ammunition in my glove compartment. And I had just been in that glove compartment a week ago uh, to put in a registration and insurance card into my glove compartment, And so when they did the car search. Whoa, whoa, whoa,
0: whoa. Back up. Did they do a car search last time you were there?
1: No, but they have started doing that for some reason. Oh, that was just
0: something new. Okay.
1: Yeah. They didn't just check my car. They were checking other cars. So when they were checking my car, uh, I almost didn't get to go in and see him after driving six hours. Because I guess somebody misplaced and put their ammunition in the wrong car. That's all I can figure.
0: Uh, but I will but
1: I am gonna come right out here and say this. I'm not gonna scare off. I'm not going away. And I, I will not stop trying to get Kit's freedom until Kit is actually freed. So, you know, that doesn't scare me, Joni or whomever may have put that in my car. Uh, but this box of ammunition i absolutely had never seen in my life
0: so let's just talk about scott smith for a second do you feel like stacy i mean in your opinion do you feel like he lied to the grand jury
1: he 100 lied to the grand jury i don't feel like it he did the cell cell bright phone records will show that he lied he testified that Kit's phone and and the victim Pam Phillips phone had traveled in the same direction, implying that Kit had Pam's phone. Absolutely not true. One went south and one went west. I believe, right? Is that what they said? Yes. And yeah. totally different directions. And actually, Pam Phillips' phone went from Pembroke to Elkton.
0: Which is east, not west. It was actually east. Yeah. Go ahead, and then to Russellville. Yes.
1: And then to, to Russ the direction of Russellville, back to Elkton. And then at midnight on the night of the nineteenth, when the investigations were going on, it went back to Pembroke.
0: Isn't that something? And they're saying they're saying that Kit had that phone. Weren't they sitting right there?
1: Well, You know, I saw in one of the jurors' statement in EmilioCorsetti.com. You can look this up there. He's doing a book that will come out, we're hoping, in the spring. It's
0: called I Will Ruin You, paraphrasing. I will ruin you. I'll ruin your military career. I'll ruin everything about you if you divorce me. Joni wasn't going to – she was not going to get a divorce from Kit. What she didn't know that Kit found out was that she was never married to him to begin with. So it's like sands through the hourglass, and so are the days of Kit Martin's life. It, unbelievable story. How all of this happened. How she took him to the court martial. She everything you could blame a man for. She she was putting it on him. I mean everything. He, he
1: absolutely. He took a and Roman things- whip.
0: He he apparently took a Roman whip and beat EJ with it. A Roman whip, the very one that beat. Jesus on the way to the cross are you kidding me are you kidding me it's
1: ridiculous it's ridiculous and back to this um this the evidence or Scott Smith whether he was lying there's no way that Kit Martin could have had the phone this expert cell phone records show that and you know even one of the jurors that Emilio that's what you know where I was going with that Emilio interviewed one of the jurors and he said, well, he had a month. He could have put the phone in her yard. No, he did not have a month. Those cell phone records absolutely saw where the phone traveled, where it ended up. And it did not, it it couldn't have been Kit Martin. It wasn't even in the direction of where Kit Martin's phone was. Right. He was, he was gone to take Emma to horseback riding lessons over uh, in Tennessee at Fort Campbell, somewhere in that area. And, You know, here's Pam's phone off in Elkton, Kentucky. Yeah. So, you know, they, in my opinion, they decided who they were going to pin these murders on. And they made their story fit that scenario. And he's a human being sitting behind bars and he's innocent. They just tried to make their story fit. And I don't know why that was so much easier than to actually investigate and find the real murderers who are out there running free today.
0: That's right. So he did provide some false and very misleading information to the grand jury. And when he was called out on the stand, Lieutenant Smith, when he was called out on the stand in the trial, it got a little bit hairy.
5: You testified before the grand jury in this case. Yes, sir, I did. And when you testified before the grand jury in this case, you didn't inform them that the DNA results from Mr. Martin came back negative?
2: No, sir, I did not.
5: You didn't inform them that there were no fingerprints?
2: No, sir, I did not.
5: But you did suggest that there was Cell phone evidence that put him someplace that was incriminating in this case.
2: Yes, sir, I did, along with the evidence involving the Glock 45 that was recovered from his safe and a shell casing matching up.
5: But that wasn't what I asked you about. I said, in, in front of the grand jury, you testified under oath that there was cell phone evidence that put him in an incriminating location, didn't
2: you? I answered your question, yes, sir, I did.
5: But today, you know that that information, that testimony was incorrect.
2: That information come from a report that I had received from the FBI on a down, not from the download, but from the telephone records from AT&T placing the phone in the area off of the position of the cell phone records. But today you
5: know that that information is incorrect.
2: Today I know from new technology that's been developed and the phone has since been downloaded that the phone was not there,
5: yes. But that testimony you gave before was in front of the grand jury under oath.
2: It was prior to the information I have received now, yes.
5: You didn't go back and fix it.
2: Go back and fix what, sir?
5: The fact that you got a charge and an indictment based on false information.
2: I got an indictment based off of a a firearm and a shell casing that was found at the scene and at Mr. Martin's home.
5: And that isn't the only mistake that you made in this case, is it?
2: No, sir. I'm human. I do make mistakes.
5: In fact, you also as you stated collected arson evidence in this case
2: yes sir i did
5: and that arson evidence could have been pivotal couldn't it
2: sir the arson evidence does is not a requirement for a proof of arson
5: it could have told us what whether a flammable liquid, some chemical was used, in that car fire, right?
2: It could have told us, but there was already flammable liquid there with it being a car and the car operates off of gasoline.
5: More importantly, it could have told us what it was.
2: Possibly.
5: And that's why we have the crime lab, right?
2: We have them, yes sir.
5: We have them so that they can help you figure out what happened. Yes sir so that prosecutors can know what to do, right? Yes, sir. And then they can come in here and tell the jury so the jury can figure out what the right verdict is in the case.
2: That is correct.
5: But in this case, you messed it up, didn't you?
2: I filled a container with more information, with more packaging than what it should have had to be able to breathe. yes, sir.
5: even though you've had some training on arson investigations, right?
2: Yes, sir, I have.
5: But because of that, we don't know what those results would have been.
2: No, sir, we do not.
5: And because of your incorrect testimony, Mr. Martin got charged.
2: That testimony was very brief to the grand jury. The majority of the testimony that I gave to the grand jury was based upon the Glock 45 that was recovered out of Mr. Martin's safe and the casing that was found off the back porch.
5: Would you be surprised to know that it was about one-third of all your testimony?
2: I'm sorry, what was one-third?
5: The incorrect information you gave under oath about the cell phone location.
2: From my recollection, my testimony about the cell phone information lasted less than two minutes.
5: Well, you got him charged, didn't you?
2: I didn't charge
5: anybody. I have one more
0: questions. So Scott Smith, he has been in trouble before. And if we can go and talk about Mr. Graham, God rest his soul. You know, back in July, he passed away. Uh, Norman Graham is his name. And Norman Graham uh, was an amazing story. Uh, He did serve nine years in prison for a crime he didn't commit there in Christian County. No, actually, it was Todd County. So Todd County is where Elkton is. And that's also, you know, that whole area is where Kentucky State Police post number two operates. A lot of stuff went down with post number two. And I know you know about some of the evidence of Mr. Graham's case, Stacey.
1: It was interesting because I and again, I read an article. So this is not firsthand knowledge, but Kentucky State Police were investigating of Norman Graham's girlfriend. Right. And, and she was raped and murdered. Yes. And they were investigating that, and there were, I think, two sets of detectives before Scott Smith. But oddly enough, Scott Smith gets involved, and in, at and the third time they tried Norman Graham, he gets convicted, and now he it, Norman Graham has passed away. He was only out a few years, and he's passed away, and his attorney. Amy Staples with Lobey and Lobey is continuing the suit. They are suing for the estate of several Kentucky state police. And oddly enough, it wasn't until Scott Smith and another detective were involved that Norman Graham was actually convicted. Now it is alleged that semen was actually planted on the victim's pants to get him convicted.
0: Oh, my God, Stacy!
1: Yeah. It's like they make up their mind who they think that done it, and then they're just going to prove it whether it's true or not.
0: Well, let's just hope that the estate now of Norman Graham goes after him, and I know they were at one time. I mean— that estate was going after his entire estate, Scott Smith's entire estate, not to mention a few other names that we've heard throughout the process. You know, I've also heard the name He He's a man that passed away back in 2017, but uh, Detective silphy as well.
1: I did confirm that with that attorney, and oh. they are still pursuing the case.
0: Fantastic. I mean... That might just change everything. Hey, here's another thing that's going to change everything. Emilio's book's out in, you know, a little over a month, maybe a couple of months away. So we're looking at spring 2024. I will ruin you hitting, uh, you know, shelves. And that's Emilio Corsetti. He does have a cool website. And if you go to the site map and look up some of the Kit Martin stuff, you'll learn an awful lot about this story. If it's confusing to you, it's about it, It's about to change. All of those dynamics about this story are about to change. As soon as Emilio's book is out there on the shelves, because he's going to make it easier for us to understand.
1: I agree. You know, you can watch court TV and thank heavens that court TV aired this. I mean, thank heavens they decided to do that. So appreciative of that. But even when you watch that, every time I go back to watch the court TV segments and you can watch that on court TV on demand and you know, you can watch each person's testimony separate. And I pick up something new every single time I watch that. But there was so much chaos and so much, so many objections for the defense. And it was just really difficult if you didn't know the background to understand it.
0: Yeah. And do you remember? Oh, my God. This is one of the parts of the trial that was just absolutely fascinating to me. But here's the defense up there getting ready to go over the cell phone data information with the prosecution's cell phone forensic guy, right? And um, he looks at the report that was given to the defense by the prosecution, looks at the report, and says, I've never seen this before. It was the wrong report. It was the wrong report. That they had submitted to the defense that the prosecution, these prosecution people, the attorney general's office got a huge black eye. They ended up looking like a bunch of bumbling idiots, you know.
1: They made the assertion that they had some, that they had given that report to them on electronically. But why would you give one report electronically and another one on a piece of paper unless you absolutely were trying to confuse somebody Right. When the defense had the cell phone expert on the stand in the discovery, apparently they had the incorrect report. One was done in 2017 and one in nineteen, I believe. And that was where they were pulling the information off of. Was it Kit's
0: phone or was it Pam's phone? Both. Can't. We need both, obviously, because Joan had the phone. She had Pam's phone, and we know that. And they know we know that. And so it just became this convoluted, chaotic mess again. It was chaotic for both the prosecution and the defense. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Um and I remember seeing, like, just on Court TV, you can just go down and look at the comments, and people are saying, poor Kit Martin. These people are all—this was a kangaroo court. This was just completely out of control. Even the commentators at Court TV didn't even know what to do about it. And so that kind of chaos got in the way, and then people were kind of scared off. They were like, oh, man, I just don't even want to get into it. It's just like, wow, Sam's through the hourglass. Sure, the whole world's against you, Kit Martin. You know, that's what the the kind of narrative becomes.
1: How can anybody, anybody watch this trial or any part of it and remotely begin to think that his civil rights and constitutional rights, there was nothing fair about that. No, 108 Crystal, 108 DNA samples and nothing came back to him.
0: Nothing. You know, if you would like to tip us in any way, I don't mean monetarily either. If you would like to uh, uh, reach out to us and you have some information that could lead to the exoneration of Kip Martin, you can and will remain anonymous. We uh, will protect our sources with all of our our might. And those phone calls are starting to happen. The tip line starting to ring. And we're pretty happy about that. Um, if you need to get a hold of us, it's freekitmartin at gmail.com. Freekitmartin at gmail.com. Um, hit up Stacy or myself. We both check that on a daily basis and several times a day. So anything that you would like to, if you are local there in the Pembroke area, maybe you're over in Elkton and you have some information. For us that maybe you overheard Joni talking about. I would like to know if there's anybody that's listening to this podcast who was in the soda shop when Cal and Joni got into a fight. I heard that happen.
1: Yes. And I want to also put my, some people may not want to put it in writing in an email. If you are welcome to call me at 931-273-9724. If I don't answer right away, send me a text and I'll call you back.
0: Also, there's so many things to talk about here. Um, uh, First of all, I want to know how your visit went with Kit. Let's talk about that because um, it's important that we reach out to him on a regular basis and probably once a week. Uh, I was very surprised to get an email from him today. And he said that you had come to visit and he was so excited to see you and everything's going to be all right. And you know what he did? He thanked me for giving him and you and the family hope. That's what he thanked oh. me for. I know. Isn't that so sweet? I mean he, yep, he
1: called today. I guess you told him I had a cold or something. He called to check on me. And yeah. Um he was kind of he said today's been a lazy day for him. He just kind of took a nap and was able to rest because things are kind of shut down there today. And but he's just making the best of a bad situation, you know, the best he can do. He recently got a position as the dean of the chapel. Okay, we're talking about Quote unquote triple homicide. And he's the one that's chosen as the dean of the chapel there. He must, it's unbelievable. Hey,
0: Unbelievable. I did put the bond hearing, by the way, up on our Facebook page. The Free Kit Martin Podcast has a Facebook page, and we invite you to come on over. It's just a situation where you come over and like the page, and then you'll be updated when we have new episodes. We also put these on to—now, a lot of elderly don't even know what a podcast is, and that's not even—you know, that's that's neither here nor there. It's just a different generation. Uh, but they do know what YouTube is, so we always put our podcasts up on YouTube. There's a free Kit Martin podcast YouTube page, so be sure to hit us up there as well. I just wanted to say, if you want to watch the Bond hearing, though, go over and um, and, and watch it on our Facebook. I just put that up over the last couple of days. You know what I learned from watching that, Stacy? What's is that? that, you know, the whole Andy Bashir part of this story, he's the governor of Kentucky and he got into the governor's seat with less than 1% of the vote. And uh Kitt's very...
1: It was 4%, I believe, Crystal.
0: Oh, uh, was it? Well, whatever. Uh-huh. Under 5%. I mean, I've seen so yeah. many different numbers as far as that is concerned. We're talking about politics. So you will, you'll see a lot of different polls, a lot of different, right. you know, but um, you know, what happened there? Kit was getting ready to get on an American Airlines flight in Louisville. And this was one of the most public national story arrests. This was such a big deal when it happened. Um, even cameras were standing by. I mean, I remember passengers that were going to be on Kit's airplane saying, Oh my God, I kind of felt bad for the guy. It was an unbelievable public display of corruption in my opinion it was
1: horrible and chris i want to share a little quick story with you about that that i'm just reminded of the day that was that may 10th 2019 right the day that he was arrested my mother and father got a phone call from him from prison and they thought it was a joke and they hung up he calls his parents. They thought it was a joke and hung up because it's the last thing we would have ever, ever suspected he would be accused of. But literally, you know how there's so many scam calls and and fraudulent calls and things that happened out there now, you know, on Facebook and the phone, and you know, scams and things. So they just thought it was something crazy. And when he tried to call to get the family's help, Everybody hung up because they didn't really think it was him.
0: No. I mean, it would be hard to get your mind around a guy like that, mm. yeah, you know, killing three people. And, like, you, you just got to be like, what just happened? You know there's something smelling rotten here. Um, yeah. Okay, so I uh, watched the bond hearing, and then something that kind of over, kind of just that was kind of in my head is this Andy Bashir thing. So Andy Bashir has to send some of his best in if he's going to, if he's actually going to try to pull this off and get Matt and everybody in the Phillips family their conviction. They needed a conviction for what? I mean, they needed an arrest, and then they needed a conviction. And, yeah. you know, all these great facts were getting in the way of their conviction, Stacy.
1: Well, you know, I think today we're a little bit We're bringing in a lot of different factors. Of course, we're starting the new year, so there's so much. Yeah. But you you mentioned Matt uh, Phillips, and you know, my condolences to him for losing his parents. But from my understanding, and this came out in the trial, so I'm not saying anything that's not out there. That he and his, I guess, aunt went and hired an attorney in New York. There was four pieces of evidence turned in. All four of them, all four of them came from Cal and Pam's family, all four. And again, nothing with Kit Martin's DNA, absolutely nothing. And you spoke of the bond hearing, and here's something that, and again, I encourage you all listeners to listen to that bond hearing, but, you know, something that really stuck out to me about it, and in case you don't know, he was in my opinion, given an unconstitutional amount for the bond, it was $3 million. And that wasn't 10% of $3 million, That was $3 million. So there was no way he was getting out. So I don't call that a constitutional bond. If you read our Constitution, it's supposed to be something that's reasonable. But they talked about the reason he was such a risk. They said he had ali- aliases he had created. Guess what? There's a lot of people that have aliases on their social media, on Facebook, on Twitter, on different things. So they talked about his aliases. The other thing they talked about is he's a pilot, so he had the ability. Well, you know what? He was having Kentucky appointed attorneys. So if he didn't have the money for an attorney, it's very unlikely he had the money to run out and get a jet and flee the country. He had known he was under that they were investigating him since 2015 because they were coming to North Carolina and taking hairs from his head and swabbing his mouth and trying to find anything to try to prove him guilty. And so he knew he was under investigation for the three or four years that it was And he never left then. All he wanted to do was clear his name. Right. And it was, you know, that's it. And it was a shock when he was not found innocent. It is
0: unbelievable. And think about that. A plea deal. A plea deal. What was it? Five to 13 years they offered him just to admit it? Is that the going rate for a triple murder? Western Kentucky what the hell? No DNA, no cell phone evidence. His security cameras proved he was there. The cops were sitting there all night long investigating across the street. They know Kit Martin didn't leave his house. We're finished. 2024 is a different year. It's the year of Kit Martin. We're going to get him out. You mark our words.
1: Now, I'm probably going to offend some people when I say this right now, but because I know there was a jury of 12 people. But I think number one, it was all over the place. The trial was all over the place. It was chaotic at best. It was hard to understand. The prosecution at least made up their fairy tale story that they told. And so at least the jury had something they could vaguely follow. It was very confusing. Even the court TV commentators w- were saying that. So they had a story they could kind of follow. Um, and but to me, Just the things that happened in that courtroom, like we had videotapes that were manipulated. That was shown by Olivia, one of the attorneys. And then
0: the cell Um, phone, crap. Don't even get me started. Um, As a matter of fact, we got to listen to some Jonathan Reeves before we get out of here. Jonathan Reeves, the defense cell expert.
5: Is that the right way to do a report? Absolutely not. So if there was testimony from that report and that testimony said that Mr. Martin's phone was outside of his home on the night of the 18th, would that testimony have been accurate?
2: No, there would be no way to determine if his phone was in his home or out of his
5: home from that report. If there was a testimony from somebody looking at that uh, from the prosecution's expert report, that said Mr. Martin's phone was on Rosetown Road, would that testimony have been
2: accurate?
5: Absolutely not.
2: There was no method, no information available that could have pinpointed anybody's location to that degree of certainty. Once again, it's the information we have just shows that it was served by that one site, that one sector. That one site and sector we know covers a very large area, all of Pembroke and the outlying areas
5: and you just testified about this, but if someone had taken that erroneous report and had testified that...
0: Objection, Your Honor.
5: Questioning the witness about someone else's statements to the grand jury. Overruled. If there had been testimony that the two phones were actually together on the 19, would that testimony have been accurate? Absolutely not. And it would have actually been contradicted by the report. But all three of those claims were made under oath to the grand jury, weren't they, sir?
0: Yes. Happy New Year to you, Stacy. Thank you so much for being my partner in crime. I can't wait to be at the gate with you when this man gets out of prison.
1: Happy New Year to you as well and to all of our listeners. And 2024, we hope, will be the year that we see that man walk out of that prison and I cannot wait.